From Nuthouse Studios in Lexington, Kentucky, Black Lot Moon Productions proudly presents Bluegrass Homefront. Bluegrass Homefront Season 2, Episode 3, for the week of February 7th, 2021. My name is Tiny Brian, and I am your host. Joining me, as always, is my co-host and friend and so much more, Mr. Victor. Victor, welcome. Hello, Tiny Brian. How are you today? I am fine as frog hair split four ways with a double bit axe. There you go. I that's, believe that's what they used to say. I think it's three ways, but that's okay. Well, four ways. Might, it would, how would you split a hair three ways? I don't get that. I don't know. It'd be a... Maybe you cut it in half three times, but I don't know how you cut something into thirds with like... a. Be a pretty sharp axe. I guess that would have to be a sharp axe. Yeah, that's the whole... I guess that makes sense. Now you've solved the mystery. So there's a, a beautiful, sunny, cold day out today, and we are celebrating another loss from the good old UK men's basketball team last night. So how do you enjoy that game, Brian? I, uh, I, I, Did you I watch enjoyed it. Uh, actually, I, um, so normally I do, I do, uh, I have access to ESPN through mm-hmm. secret undisclosed means. Mm-hmm. And uh, so normally I do, but somehow I got it in my head last night. I really like to listen to the games sometimes. Oh, okay. So you listen to Tom. So Beach. yeah, I'll have them. I'll I'll have my uh, my uh, my things that are based around a major American search engine play them for me. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I listen to Leach. And one of the things I love about it is it tells me um, I get names. Like instead of just seeing the ball pass around and things, right. I get to hear who's taking the shots, who's missing, who's passing to who, and it helps me know the players a little better if I okay. listen to a couple games. That makes sense. So and they, yeah, I had a really great time for the whole first half. Every time I kind of, I was kind of working on some stuff for the show and mm-hmm. would kind of look at. And every time I looked up, I was like, "Oh, look at that! We're doing yeah, good. We're doing good. We were playing great. Really, we're up four. We're up eight. Wow! Yeah, oh, oh." Yeah. And it kept going, you know. We come out in the second half. We were charged, yep. charged right out. Up ten. Up ten, and then there was four minutes, and it was, and it was gone. So Tennessee went on back to back twelve nothing runs. That'll mm-hmm. that'll end the game for you. So did you happen to catch what they did at the big tall crane downtown? It's still there, by the way. There's a big tall crane downtown. Yeah, I you know we where they're working on Rep Arena there. Oh, and, and I didn't. It, don't think I've noticed that there's an actual crane. At yeah, there's Arena. a big crane there, and uh, it so happens that the company that has the crane or whatever is from Knoxville, and those turkeys planted the Tennessee flag on top of that crane. It's oh my! And goodness. they did it before the game, and it's still there. It was like when I went by earlier. There it was. Well, yeah, uh, those people won't get any contracts in this Commonwealth again for a minute. <laughs> it was pretty funny though. Well, yeah, know, I mean, and, and they did come up here and. And whip that ass, so yeah, it you know. was it was it's hard. So I think that puts us at five and twelve, uh, something like that. Yeah. So so Kentucky's doing doing swell. Louisville oh, yeah. is not playing at all. No, nope, I think they've got put after on their, last week it was us, right? But they actually got put. They they missed three games, I think. So yeah, so it's not good good for the uh, you know Cardinals. Um, no program. And so which which begs the question: How's Western doing? Actually, I don't know. We should have looked that up. Yeah, I know they're good enough to make the tournament, and uh, their coach is, oh, I usually know his name, but he used to coach in the SEC, and he's a Kentucky guy, so uh, pretty pretty famous in the coaching circles. But anyway, he's the coach there now, and uh, 
Yeah, supposedly they're going to be the team to root for in the tournament. You know, with with us and and Duke lost, so that's some good Kentucky yeah, news. Yeah, they're playing like they're not as bad as we are, but they're about five hundred, which is not good for Duke. No, well, which is <coughs> unprecedented for all of us. You right. know, we're having a, a, a once a century season. Yeah, um, but uh, <laughs> you know. Right. But this is a year when when somebody like a weird mid major like Western Kentucky could come up and win it all out of well, nowhere. Maybe um, the mid major that looks like a juggernaut this year though is Gonzaga. Well, they, yeah. they are really good and and like they play in that crappy conference, so they shouldn't lose a game. They might actually get the uh, forty and zero season that we were uh, shooting for there a few years ago. Never know if they they run the tables. No, I don't think they get to forty because we're not playing that many games this year. But they could still run. They, the table. They could still possibly run the table. Yes. Well, good for good for them. I guess. Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, mean I'm, somebody's I'm, got to be good. I'm if good it's with, not going to be us. I'm good with be them. Gonzaga. They've been a powerhouse ever since they made a Cinderella run there. What in the late nineties? In the nineties, yeah. That's <clears> yeah. Where we all came to know who they are. If you right. Care about you know basketball in March. Right. So. Right. So let's see. Up ahead, we're going to have a little fancy talk yeah. a little bit later on. Mm-hmm. And uh, did you know, Victor? Well, you know, because you know you're in our production meetings. But did you know, Victor, that you can be a working actor and live in the Commonwealth of Kentucky? I found that out the other day. We found that out. We did talk to actor Deaton Gabbard. Mm-hmm. He has been on Snapped, uh, which is a, a syndicated kind of a true crime thing. Right. Uh, he's done some other small things, but he is in the last year. He has been gaining in popularity and is building a career based out of Richmond. Right. So we'll yeah. we'll talk to him a little later. And uh, but at first we got some some music. Yeah, we also we also have our artist interview with uh, with Eric Croft, who is the uh, the ghost of the ghosts and the human hoax. Right. Maybe we'll talk about that with him. Right. And uh, he also has some. Mu- we have some music from him and his solo stuff. We so do. Looking yep. forward to all that. But before that, we have some other music. We do. We want to start out for a little ballad.
Yeah. 
Welcome back to Bluegrass Homefront. This is Victor with Tiny Brian. Hey. So in that first set of music, we heard Scott Whitten with the Ballad of Chris Bell, Countywide, Keep On, Keep on Shifting, and Vina Cava with Little Drinky Poo. Just a little drinky poo. Just maybe, a little drinky poo. Maybe yeah. there was a, so um, from, this will be in the past, did you have a little drinky poo on, for the Super Bowl over the weekend? <laughs> I might have a, a couple of brewskis, but. Not too much. Yeah, I was thinking I might have a cocktail. I've uh, I've actually got the stuff for the first. You know, I'm not a big drinker, right? But uh, I actually have kind of the makings of some cocktails. So mm, I'm cocktails. Gonna, yeah, gonna Ooh, fancy. Yeah, so, well, okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pour bourbon into things, and I'm gonna call it a cocktail. Oh, okay. Well, I'm gonna works. drink bourbon, but I'm trying to be sophisticated sounding. Thanks for calling me out on it. <laughs> As I normally like As to do. As you love to so, take a shot, please. Yes, that would be the. Uh, so yeah, we're we're now two rules into the bluegrass home front drinking game. So okay, we got two now. We got two. First rule is if Victor corrects Tiny Brian drink, mm-hmm. and then the second rule is if Tiny Brian reminds you of something. Oh yeah, drink. So who you got in the Super Bowl? Who you want to win? So uh, I did enter one of those contests for you pick the winner, you uh-huh. win a prize, and I actually picked. I just can't. Uh, oh oh, it, it occurs to me. Oh. Yes, so, yeah, Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> You're going with Tampa Bay? Well, I go with Kansas City. They won. Yes. Yeah. Because it's it's definitely Tuesday morning when this comes out, and <laughs> one of us is lying and one of us is telling the truth. We're into the void. Yes, we are here in a timeless void from whence this podcast arises. So, speaking of uh, some voids, I guess, our first uh, we're coming up on our first artist interview here for this segment. Right. I guess that didn't make sense, but maybe cut that out there, producer. Yeah, I wouldn't count on it. Yeah, he likes to put those in there, doesn't <laughs> he? He loves, yeah, it, it's, it, well, yes, that's what we'll go with. He likes to put things in, he, not that he just skips over it and leaves weird things in there on accident. Right, so we're going to talk to Eric Croft. Right, he's, as we said earlier, the lead singer of The Ghost and the Human Hoax, right. and he's also put out uh, some some solo music. Right, underneath the name of Crimson Croft, mm-hmm. and uh, he has another band too, and I wish we would have taken note on that one. But I, I think he, t- he mentions it in the He interview. does, he mentions it in the interview, so yeah. he And several uh, other things about his background, obviously. Yep, and a uh, really nice guy from Western Kentucky. and. Uh, yep, I love that we're finding some Western Kentucky people. Yes, sir. Yeah, that we right. were talking about that earlier. So here he is. Here is Eric Croft. We are really fortunate to be joined at this time to for another one of our great finds from season one, Victor. Another one of the bands that I've been really lo- happy that we found and have been exposed to. Right, the Ghost and the Human Hoax. Right, we are here with Eric Croft, who is the lead singer, who is the ghost, I guess, in yeah. the Ghost and the Human Hoax. Eric, welcome to Bluegrass Homefront. It's great to have you. Great to be here. Thank you, guys. So before we actually started uh, recording here, Vic- Victor, you had you would ask him a question. Why don't you go ahead and just re-ask well, we that were question? Commenting on him maybe being the ghost, and so I uh, wanted to know, Eric, how did you come up with the name "The Ghost and the Human Hoax"? Uh, the name actually came from an old poem that I wrote. Um, it was just a piece of it that really stood out to me, and I happened across it again, and uh, I decided that it would be a great title for a new project. Absolutely. So, yeah, we, we spend a lot of time analyzing that name. Like, we, we've decided that, you know, there, there's a whole ghost world and humans are kind of a conspiracy theory in the ghost world that, you know, oh, there's no such thing as humans. It's that's just, just a hoax. That's just a hoax. It's a human <laughs> hoax. So 
We spent a lot of time on that, and uh, you definitely made our Halloween episode better. I think you were another one of those that we played both then and we played it another time earlier in the season. So, But with a name like the band The, uh, the Ghost and the Human Hoax, we just had to include you in our, uh, in our uh, Halloween. Halloween episode. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit first about your Kentucky roots. Are you, are you currently living in Kentucky? Yes, uh, I'm from Glasgow, Kentucky, and that's that's where I'm living at now. All right. And uh, how long you been playing music, Chris or Eric? See, that's why I take notes. Um, I mean, I've I've kind of been into it my whole life. My father and my uncle were both musicians, so I kind of watched them growing up and. Uh, always had an interest in it but i don't think i really became super active until probably the early 2000s what led you to get more active well basically being able to find more people uh with the same mindset as me to be able to work with being able to collaborate yes yeah so you played a uh the heavier style. So you, you, did you have any problems finding any collaborators with that? It was difficult at first, you know, at first it was just me and some friends that began, you know, experimenting, trying to write different stuff. You know, that went on for a long time, just, uh, just getting together with friends and beginning to write. Right. Once. Oh. I like his tapestry. I was in the back. just thinking the same thing. I like your tapestry in the back there. <laughs> I have a, I have a account, and he was about to come in here and start whining and stuff, so I had to close the door. Oh um, yeah, that's important. <laughs> but uh, I began. I think my first project was probably the Distorted Souls project, and like I said, that was kind of the early two thousands, and that was just me and friends kind of collaborating and beginning to work on writing songs together. Um, I think some of that stuff is still actually out there on like Reverb Nation. Uh, right, yeah, I think we ran that, across that as we were kind of researching too. Okay, yeah. And then after that, um, I uh, formed a band called Circled in Black uh, with a friend of mine named Nick Gabo. He was the drummer. And then we uh, collaborated with a few different people at first and played a few shows. And then towards the end, we ended up. Uh, taken on a guitarist and a bass player who lived in Tennessee. So we all had to travel a lot, you know, back and forth uh, to be able to practice and, you know, play shows. We played mostly shows around Nashville. Okay. Uh, we released an EP. It's actually on uh, iTunes and Spotify, just under Circled in Black. And that went on till probably about, I think we started that band in probably around 2011. I think it went on to till probably around 2014. And then um, I think it was shortly after that, it kind of ended because, like I said, we were traveling so much with them living in a, another state, you know, just mm-hmm. it began to wear on us all. And that Nashville and commute has got to get, I mean, even where you are kind of in, you're kind of west over there by Nashville, that's still something of a commute. Yeah, yeah, it's still quite a drive. Um, I think it was right after that, there was a bit of a hiatus for me. I just began, you know, focusing more on writing poetry, which was really the thing I was doing to begin with. You know, I was always writing poems, but then I began to turn them into lyrics and into songs. Um, it was shortly after that, that um, we formed the Ghost of the Human Hoax. And I formed it with a friend 
Ricky Hodge, um, he's the guitarist. He's been in a bunch of different bands, a lot of different local bands. He was in the band Volvolux, which uh, was a pretty big band around here for a while there. I think I remember here. We had an old show. We had an old show on uh, WRFL, which is Radio Free Lexington here in Lexington. That's where this podcast kind of came from. And that show, we played a lot of local music. That's kind of where the whole germ of this podcast came from. And I think we we had one of their old CDs in that collection, and I played them a couple of times. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, that's Ricky. He's the guitarist in the Ghost of the Human Oaks, and uh, it was me and then the bass player that we have now, Dylan Compton, mm-hmm. and uh, our friend Cody Glass was playing drums. And I think I think it was probably around 2014, like right after Circle Circled in Black. Maybe just there was a short hiatus in there that. We started doing that, and um, we we played quite a few shows around Bowling Green. Mostly, I think we played a couple of gigs in Louisville. We never really got to record much, and then I can't remember exactly what happened. We kind of went on hiatus for a long time. And then I think it was maybe late 2018. I think we we got back together with Cody and we began practicing. And uh, then, unfortunately, Cody died in a uh, motorcycle accident. Oh, my goodness. And it was, yeah, <laughs> he, he was a great guy. He was in another band, uh, the Wolf Island Cosmonauts. He was their drummer at the time, too. <laughs> but uh, it was shortly after that is when we met Doc Chapman, who is our, uh, our drummer now. I think we started playing with him probably mid-2019. And then I just kind of took off from there. We we played all the way up until you know the uh, the until pandemic you, kind of began shutting everything down. Right, until, until Plague World. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we I find that. Uh, so tell us a little bit because you know we are we're Eastern Kentucky boys. We grew up literally. We grew up in Pot County, which is as far east in Kentucky as you can get before you wind up in in Virginia. So tell us a little bit about what the music scene is like out in, in sort of Western Kentucky, out, out your direction. Um, well, I mean, it's very diverse, but most of the great places close by to perform at are all in Bowling Green. Mm. And it was typically always very diverse, but I think in the last maybe six or seven years, it, it kind of changed a lot, become more of like an indie scene. Mm-hmm. We heard about that. So for a metal band like us, it's it was difficult to fit in. Mm-hmm. But I think in the last year that we started performing, we played a lot with uh, some of these bands around here that we had never played with before. And I don't know, that kind of made me think that it was beginning to uh, diversify a bit more. But okay. for a while there, it was very difficult for us to you know book shows anywhere because we were so so much heavier than most of the other bands that were playing around here. We had to travel all the way to Louisville or, you know, Nashville to get gigs. But, so uh, never came as far east as Lexington for a gig? No, I don't think we ever made it quite that far. Well, we kinda, now we kind of have a goal to, uh, to bring you up this far east to come, come to our part of the world. Yeah, there's some, uh, there's some, there's some metalheads, like if you go from here on back east. I, I kind of started out that way when I was a kid. I mm-hmm. started out a metalhead of, of all things and kind of – mellowed out my older age but uh yeah they're out there man i mean you go to any kind of 
the best rock show in the world is to go to a good metal show. That's one of the things I miss about concerts right now is I cannot go to a metal show. You know what I mean? Because uh, I've gotten I've gotten to be an old man and like just to sit and listen to a whole album of metal, I can do it for a little while and I'm like, okay, I got to chill for a little bit. But a metal show, now we rock out for you know all day doing that stuff, and I, I, I that's one of the things I really missed for sure. I find it. Oh, in- yeah. I've always found it interesting how Kentucky, you know, we have we have country and then we have like even further country into like bluegrass and and folk and traditional and then we have like metal. Yeah. And and hardcore and just just how much grinding guitar would you like? <laughs> you know, it's it, it's both extremes and I kind of like that about Kentucky. Oh yeah. So I've, uh I've got Sorry. I've got so many different friends, you know, that are into all different styles, you know. You know, some of the people that I played in, you know, metal bands with would turn around the next weekend and go and play like in a country band or something. Yep. So. Mm-hmm. so would you are are you strictly a metalhead in your personal listening? Like uh or do you do you have some other things you like to listen to? Uh no. No, I'm more uh I'm more experimental. Uh with my solo stuff, well, Basically, what happened when the Ghost of the Human Hoax went on hiatus the first time before we got back together with Cody there, um, I went out and it was the drummer that I had in the band Circled in Black, Nick Gabot. And we went out and we started playing under Crimson Croft as a uh, just a two piece kind of uh, alternative rock meets stoner rock meets indie rock. It was just very experimental. We did that for probably about a year. I think that was in 2015 mm-hmm. we did that and we played uh in louisville a lot of places in bowling green i think we even made it to nashville a few times and that was really fun but uh my main thing for that project and what what i'm doing with it now in my solo project crimson croft i'm going more into a industrial electronic direction so more of a nine-inch nails of like a... right yeah like Nine Inch Nails, Skinny Puppy, mm-hmm. and even mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to have those elements, but also kind of like post-punk kind of elements as well. Oh, Interesting. Never go, never go wrong with the punk, man. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, that's my big thing is the punk. I love the punk. So, yeah, you never go wrong with some good punk punk sounds for sure. So one of the things right. as, we've, as we've been interviewing artists, uh, one of the things I love to find out is is how has Plague World affected you? Because, you know, there's no, there's been no concerts. No one's been playing live. Uh, I find that the, I've got at least a dozen musician friends who are right on the cusp of releasing albums and and doing all kinds of creative things. And I'm wondering, have have you been able to channel your your isolation into something creative? Um, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I kind of went crazy there at first when I uh was quarantined and I, I started buying a bunch of music gear. I've set up a little uh, kind of pseudo studio in my bedroom and I've been working with a lot more of the uh, electronic gear that I always wanted to kind of delve into working with but just never really did before. Are we talking about so like I exotic think, pedals you know, or uh, or synthesizers? What are we talking here? Synthesizers, yeah. I've got like three new synthesizers. I have a 
a drum machine slash synthesizer and a bunch of different samplers and stuff that I've been kind of diving into, learning how to work with, creating patterns and uh, layering different effects and stuff on it. So uh, I'm, that's mostly how I've been spending my time. I mean, it's it still sucks because I want to go out and play shows, but I've learned a lot about some of this new equipment that I'd never really had a chance to get my hands on and work with before. So I think my goal is course you know i want to keep doing everything i want to keep the ball rolling with the ghost and human hoax but i'm also trying to write a, a solo album a new crimson croft and i want it to be just something i'm going to record here at home but i want to put all those elements into the music that i kind of wanted to do from the beginning with the industrial and the post-punk and everything so that's that's one thing i'm really working towards i'm a huge fan of, of industrial and, and finding kind of music out of sounds and rhythms that that maybe aren't in aren't intrinsically musical or we don't think of as musical and you lay them in and then suddenly you go wait a minute that's a rhythm what's going yep. on here yeah there's some noise we can job to right that's right yeah. I, that's that's some noise that i can understand <laughs> so uh yeah i was i was always a fan of um tom waits as well you i wouldn't really call him industrial but um he's always incorporated a lot of like uh unique sounds into his music you know like mm -hmm. he'll, he'll capture the sound of like banging on the lid of a trash can or something and work it into a song and i've always kind of admired people who who can do that like found footage you know just found sound mm -hmm. without yeah. really intending yeah. to rhyme it quite that much <laughs> yeah so Eric, if our if our listeners are looking for a place to connect with your music and and everything you've got going on, do you have a do you have social media? Do you have a website? Where, where's where's the best place people can can go to connect with you? Okay, um, well, I'll start. If anyone's interested in checking out the uh, the first band I was in, Circle in Black, like I said, we have an EP out there. You can find it on Spotify and iTunes, just under Circle in Black. Mm -hmm. um, then for the Ghost of Human Hoax, we have a Facebook page right now and an Instagram page. So you can find us on there and you'll be able to get updates on when we begin performing again. And we're actually planning on getting into a studio next month. Um, and that's a story I didn't really get into. We began recording an album with a guy here in Glasgow. Mm -hmm. And we got to record about six tracks with him. And we got two master tracks from the, uh, the sessions. And then he just didn't really finish the rest of it for us hmm. so uh we're trying to get into another studio to finish the thing but we're looking at trying to get back into a studio next month and start working on that um but yeah you can find the ghost and human hoax on facebook and instagram and then uh my solo stuff crimson croft you can find me on facebook uh Bandcamp, instagram I'm basically on all the social media platforms with that so on your finer on your finer social media platforms <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Eric Croft. Um, we have really enjoyed talking to you. We've enjoyed your music over the past months. You're one of the one of our favorite discoveries here. As we this this show has been mostly about Victor and I discovering Kentucky music. So, uh, and you're one of our one of our favorite discoveries. We are so glad to get to talk to you, Eric Croft of Crimson Croft and the Ghost and the Human Hosts hoax. Thanks for joining us here on Bluegrass Homefront. We appreciate it, man. Thank you, guys. Rock Thanks on. for having me on. Yes, appreciate sir. it.
Johnny works for Norfolk Southern, comes in here, has a beer, then it has another and another and another until his whole world looks just fine. He says, when I get up, don't let me fall, don't tell I'm here for later calls. Finishes his evening with a trooper out walking the line. You know he comes in here and he pours out his problems, beer after beer, as if I could solve them. Sound like some problems I'd like to have. But he just keep crying on and on, drinking his beer, playing sad old song. I just step back from the bar and laugh. He got a trailer sitting off of the old highway, a nice doggy yard where the kids can play. Pick up in the drive, I mean, how good your life be? He got an old John Deere and it runs real nice. An old lady that's only cheated on twice, man. Some people just can't handle prosperity. Too much success will just ruin a man That's why I'm pacing myself Just doing what I can I don't want to wind up with too much pride Go on, line up, sign up Before you make your mind up Either way, one day you turn around and wind up Looking at greener grass from the other side Like Johnny got a trailer sitting off of the old highway A nice doggy yard where the kids can play Pick up in the drive, I mean, how good can life be? He got an old John Deere and it runs real nice. An old lady that's only cheated on him twice, man. Some people just can't handle prosperity. You know, some people just can't handle prosperity. Handle it, Trailer sitting off of the old highway, a nice dog a yard where the kids can play. Pick up in the drive, I mean, how good can life be, y'all? He got an old John Deere that runs real nice, an old lady that's only cheated on her twice, man. Some people just can't handle prosperity. You know, some people just can't handle prosperity. Jody Lee Meese, ladies and gentlemen. Daniel Stroud on the bass. Of a borrowed drifter Clutch the ropes till my fingers bliss 
Welcome back, Bluegrass Homefront. This is Victor with Tiny Brian. Yo. So in that last segment of music, we heard the Crimson Croft with Istis Vado, Pearly Jenkins, Prosperity, and the rough, rough Customers with Black Hole. Kind of a rough, kind of generally kind of a harder mix of music this week. Well, you know, we we did uh, have one of our artist interviews from a um, a metal guy, so I figure why not have a little bit. Just make it more metal. A little bit, a little more on the heavy side this week. Next week, all crooners. All crooners. Like, uh, all people who sing Sinatra tunes. And <laughs> I don't know that I found any crooners. We need some crooners. Are there any? Cro- you know how if you know of cro- Kentucky-based crooners, you know how you could tell us. Well, what where you would find them at is the karaoke bar. Well, sure, but I'm looking for people singing original tunes here. We, well, yeah, there's that. Yeah, unless yeah. they're singing, like, you know, pu- stuff in the public domain, we kind of <laughs> need them to be singing their own stuff. Right. But it, And listeners, if you know of a Kentucky crooner out there operating who just is dying to make our acquaintance, you can let us know. You can reach out to us on social media, mm-hmm. on Facebook and Twitter and mm-hmm. Instagram. And you can even email us. Yes, and what is that email address, Victor? Feedback at bluegrasshomefront.com. That's right. Feedback at bluegrasshomefront.com. Let us know if you know of any Kentucky crooners. But in the meantime, mm-hmm. let's turn to our uh, our second interview of the week, which is uh, another Kentucky performer. And as we said earlier, we teased earlier in the show, is a uh, a working actor here in here in in Kentucky, based in Richmond, a little mm-hmm. bit of more of our neck of the woods as far as eastern Kentucky. From even further east, he is actually from Breathitt County. Right. So we have a real east west thing going on today, and um, you know tells us a lot about uh, you know the struggles and and kind of different plans, and it's it's very kind of Kentucky. Actually, story. It was, he he did a real good job of being informative on what it takes to 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 be a performing artist. Absolutely, you know, and so. and I think one of the things, and one of the things we're really here for is to boast boost the idea of artists can work in Kentucky. We want to find a way to make Kentucky more of a place where things are getting made and things are are happening because that's not just good for us as a people to have a lot of art going on, but it's good for business. It's good when you have that kind of stuff. There's businesses that need to arise to support that stuff, and and. There, there's money. It, it's money and it's culture and it's it just makes sense. Absolutely. So we continue this with our our first non musician artist for our artist spotlight. Unless you count cheese making as an art. It is an art. Sure. Okay. So yeah. all right. Well, here's another one. Here is here is Deaton Gabbard here on Bluegrass Homefront. We are very happy to be joined at this time by uh, Richmond Nate. Are you a native of Richmond, Deaton? I am actually from Eastern Kentucky. Whereabouts? Lived in Richmond for about four years now. We're about uh, to East- Breathitt County. County. Okay. Bloody Breathitt. Look at this. I've jumped completely, messed it up. But we'll, we'll, so we're we're happy to be talking to uh, performer, actor, producer, writer, uh, Deaton Gabbard, and welcome to Bluegrass Homefront, Deaton. Thank you so much for having me. So, uh, so you grew up in Breathitt County, then? Yes, sir. We are both natives of Eastern Pike County, so. So yeah, we're we're all mountain kids here. Yep. So, uh, did you? And I, I take it you moved to Richmond for the university there, right? Uh, yes, I actually have a bachelor's in criminal justice with a minor in psychology that I'm doing nothing with. Um, but <laughs> I did end up uh, moving to Richmond, which honestly, um, for me, it was more so about getting out into the city and being closer to Louisville because I already knew that I wanted to pursue acting. 
Right. That's one of the things. And see, and and that that resonates with me because as a mountain boy too, I too would think Richmond is the big city. You know, growing up, and I grew up. I famously <laughs> tell people I grew up forty five minutes from the Walmart, and. Uh, we didn't even have a Walmart until I was a freshman in high school, but <clears> that's more about I, how the fact that I was old rather than how far into the haulers I lived. But, but uh, so this is something I find interesting. You're pursuing an acting career, and uh, I will post a link to your IMDb page, and it is it is pretty impressive. You've got a, a bunch of a lot of credits, uh, a lot of things that you're working on in production, and yet you're based here in Kentucky. Um, so this is part of what I found really interesting. Tell talk about how how are you managing to be a working performer here in what I do not think of as entertainment mecca of Central Kentucky. I'm really glad you asked that, Brian. Uh, and it's it's an awesome question. Uh, how you do get work while still being based in Kentucky? Uh, the what what it boils down to it is honestly just I think it's my work ethic. Like I have always been someone that if if I have a goal, I'm going to figure out any possible way to achieve it. And so I've done the research, I've done the due diligence. And of course, when I first started out, I was very green. I didn't know anything about anything. I didn't know anyone. So I started to make kind of local connections to, to start out with. And from there, that helped me to get on, you know, bigger sets to, to get more connections. Um, the last extra or background work that I actually did was about two or three years ago, it was for a Netflix show called Messiah. Mm. And on that set, it was honestly like the biggest budget set that I've been on. I think biggest crew by far. It was insane. But it was there that I really was told by a PA actually that I needed to stop doing background work. And like it was good to to start out with and make connections and stuff. But But background actors are background actors. You don't you don't get to step up. You kinda get you it and a lot of people that have moved to L.A. have ran into this problem, too. You can get stuck in that where you're just doing background work. And it's easy money, don't get me wrong. And it's good for, like, connections and stuff. But you eventually have to move on to, like, speaking roles. So the biggest thing that I've been doing recently is actually focusing on training uh, with COVID where we didn't have any sort of, you know, projects going on. Mm-hmm. I trained with some amazing uh, coaches down in New York, in L.A., because they were all doing stuff virtually because they're also trying to expand, you know, their money making opportunities. So tell you, you, you mentioned that you've done some development, personal development is how you've kind of spent plague world here during COVID time. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So pretty soon you kind of realized that uh, COVID was becoming more and more serious and that these lockdowns were going to happen. And that was going to affect set life, especially because let's face it, that's not the most, safe uh, environment normally when you have like a hundred extras you have like 50 crew uh the actors and you know making out scenes and all this stuff mm-hmm. so the thing that i realized is that one you know I'm, I'm gonna have a little bit extra money with the stimulus check so i invested that money into training and uh one particular course that i'd recommend for anyone starting out is called hollywood winter circle i got lucky and found it on a discount whenever they were offering it and what it really boils down to, it's uh, with Wendy Lane Wright, is it shows the step-by-step process of making your package, making yourself marketable, getting training, and really just kind of getting your foot into the industry. And if it wasn't for that, on top of the training that I did last year, uh, in addition to, of course, the projects that I have, because I did build kind of a resume locally, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't have the manager that I got today, which is uh, ADS management in LA with Curtis Bechtold. And uh, I really just owe that to, you know, doing the research and kind of figuring out what it is I need to do to present myself. And, and essentially it's fake it till you make it. <laughs> um, that's what it boils down to. All right. Well, Deaton, now where can, uh, where can our listeners find you on the social medias? So for me, um, I don't care if you know people that I know to add me on Facebook, uh, which is my name, Deaton Gabbard, but just know that if you don't know people in the same circle, I'm not going to add you back. What I would rather you do is either follow my Instagram, Deaton E. Gabbard, or Deaton Gabbard Actor. I've actually got an acting page on Facebook as well. Oh, excellent. Deaton Gabbard Actor. I will try not to, con- uh, on Facebook, and Deaton, what was it on Instagram again? Deaton E, my middle, my middle initial, uh, my middle name is Edward Gabbard. So. All right. Well, Deaton, we really appreciate you spending some time with us today, and uh, thanks for joining us here on Bluegrass Homefront. Welcome back to Bluegrass Homefront. Tiny Brian here as we move to wrap up our show today. Victor, it's a pretty good show today. Yeah, I mean, we uh, we, we learned some things and, and we rocked out. So, I mean, anytime yeah. you rock out is a good day. Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree. Before we go, let's have a little bit of fancy talk. Ooh, fancy talk. Yeah, we love some fancy talk. As you all know, uh, one of our biggest, most distinctive political things here in Kentucky is Fancy Farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, happens every summer where uh, we get Republicans and Democrats and, and liberals and Greens and everybody together over their love of barbecue. And they have, yeah, then, they have a picnic, basically. And then everybody gives speeches, mm-hmm. and if you agree with the speech, you cheer, and if you disagree, you boo. Yep. It's, it's a great place where we all kind of come together and, and we can kind of get together and get be beyond politics. And we love that about Kentucky. We think that's something that should be encouraged. So in honor of Fancy Farm... When we talk about politics here on Bluegrass Homefront, we call that fancy talk. Fancy talk. So this week we want to talk about uh, the one of the big the the legislature still in session. So that all that's you know there's real things moving on. They've started the the budget writing process. Depends on how you look at it. We well we, we still can't do the no brainers, but go ahead. Well, yeah, I'm not saying they're they're I'm really fond of what's going on, but this is <laughs> this is the only one we have, so it is happening. Right. Uh, the budget's being worked on, mm-hmm. and bills are getting hearings. And one of the big bills that is now move that has popped up kind of suddenly is in response to the Kentucky Supreme Court striking down the laws that allow what they call historical racing. Right, historical racing. You 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 have a historical racing machine that mm-hmm. runs races inside of a computer chip, and you bet on those races. But it looks an awful lot like a slot machine. I wonder why that is. Because it's, you know. Well, you know uh, might be because it's a slot machine. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. So so the, the Kentucky Supreme Court said, no, this is not horse racing. This is a slot machine. Right. We have a constitutional, a constitutional thing that says slot machines are betting and mm-hmm. you can't do that. So that's unconstitutional. And they followed. And this has been brewing for months. Like right. the, the court said this months ago and there were law, there were other things and appeals that they lost. And so finally the court injuncted them and shut them down. So we have a uh, historical racing uh, parlor at Red Mile here in Lexington. There's right. another in Louisville. I Maybe. think there may, may be something out even further west. I'm not certain. But definitely here in Lexington and there in Louisville, we have these things that are now shut down and all these workers idled. Right. So the legislature being in session 
has drafted themselves a nifty little bill. Now, the, the problem is they've not included Anything any else. other kind of gambling. Right. So no and sports betting, which now every state around us is adopting. Our money is literally just flying across the bridges into Ohio and mm-hmm. Indiana yep. and across the board state lines into Tennessee and West Virginia. Yep. Missouri, as people everywhere. go and spend their money in places that are not Kentucky right. for this. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile... You know, I, I assume there are lots of people who do come in and and play the little, uh, play the historical racing well, they slot did. machine. Yeah, it was several millions uh, each each year. For and that. and I certainly want those people to have their jobs and oh, people sure. to have that opportunity. But why are we uh, why are we passing just this most narrow thing instead of passing something? That well, if we're going to have gambling, why not just fully take advantage? Why are we hamstringing ourselves and limiting all of this income that the state could go? Well, because the powers that be in the state, aka the horse industry, wants to have all the money for the gambling. Well, why not let the horse industry manage it? I don't understand what. Why do the horse? Well, why industry... would they need to manage it when you when you? Well, look, well, if it's just historical racing, which is. You know, at the end of the day, that's bullshit. So that's what I was telling you earlier. It comes up on a, uh, you know, a vote. I, I mean, as much as I want gambling. So, and, you, hang on. Let's okay. set that up. So, yeah, a vote. So what they're, what they're working on, they're mm-hmm. going to have to have a constitutional amendment. Right. Because the Constitution says you can't have this stuff. Right. Courts, there's no law they can pass on their own that changes that. Correct. It's got to come to a vote, which right. means it's got to come, it comes to us, Kentucky. Right. And we were talking about the fact that if they're, if they're just going to give us a... Uh, a bill, a thing that will just be for this. Yeah, then we should vote no. I have no choice but to say no. I mean, and uh, I want those people to have their jobs. I want Red Mile, and I want, a, and I want uh, Churchill Downs. Those people, I mm-hmm. want them to all have their jobs. But we've got to. They've got to take a broader view of this. I don't. I don't. Oh, there it is. Anyway, yeah, you got to take a broader view of this, but that's not what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, so. I, I want gambling full on. I mean, we need to have some some slot machines, some gaming tables. I mean, we already had the lottery. To say we don't have gambling is is you know hypocrisy in its purest well, form. Well, and it's, it's so those, I mean, it's yeah, it's these equivocal half measures. Yeah, and and, and it's it's pointless. So yeah, on that, I mean, as much as I want gambling, I got to say no. Absolutely. Until they can until they can ha- have an honest conversation, like we're not. You, the, these half measures, this equivocating, yeah, it's and, just not going to fly. And when they try to tell you that this historical racing is, is not gambling, they're lying to you. They're, yeah, they're yeah. just, it's, it's just complete and utter bullshit. Yeah. yeah. So, vote no <laughs> for historical racing by itself. Right. Just give it all, give it all to us. So All uh, or nothing. All or nothing. And how do you feel about this, folks? We'd love to hear your rea- re- your reaction to this or anything else we talk about on these shows. Yeah. Questions, comments, concerns, complaints, threats, whatever you need to do. You can you can reach out to us on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Bluegrass Homefront Podcast. You'll find us there. On Twitter, we are at BGHF Podcast because Bluegrass Homefront Podcast is too long for mm-hmm. Twitter. And, uh, yeah, you can also email us. What's that email address, Victor? Feedback at bluegrasshomefront.com. Absolutely. Feedback at bluegrasshomefront.com. For all of our episodes and more, you can also visit our website at bluegrasshomefront.com. Mm-hmm. Because Bluegrass Homefront is a production of Blacklight Moon Productions. I am the exec, and it is produced by me, Tiny Brian, with Victor Anderson. Malachi Woodard is our editor and our associate producer. We offer special thanks to Michael Trent and Catherine Leon Anderson.
Until next time, folks, this is Tiny Brian reminding you so you can take a drink that the blinking light is only me. Toodles.